Welcome to the Below the Line podcast. My name is David Duggan, and I'm one of the members of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure, and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors, and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organizations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, and people looking to make their mark in the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is live well, perform better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest to discuss a performance-related topic connected to their area of expertise. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day and hopefully put some of our knowledge, experience and expertise into play for yourself. This week, I'm joined by a very special guest, Alan Boyle, technology expert and principal at Saltwater Consulting, specialising in helping companies in the tech space to grow and scale. For me, this conversation was about picking the brain of someone whose attitude and approach to business and life I greatly admire, and I got to ask Alan about what motivates him to do what he does, what key challenges he sees the businesses he works with right now facing, as well as his thoughts on how technology will influence and impact our lives over the coming years. For Alan, it's all about teaching people to fish, giving them the tools to be able to eventually do for themselves what he has been brought in to help them with, which typically revolves around making the interface between technology and people in organisations work in the right ways to help both the business and the people in them to thrive and grow. You can subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast as well as exclusive online events and sessions including our Press Pause coaching community and our next story coaching programme kicking off on the 31st of January 2022. Thanks for listening and see you next week. I'm going to fire away with you know that, that, that first one just why do you do what you do and, and see where it takes us. Yeah it, it's interesting in terms of why I do what I do um I did this exercise with Peter Mohan actually on, on finding my why. I was actually thinking, hang on, I'm helping companies find their whys or find their purpose. And I need to realize what, what is mine. And, uh, you know, after a, a robust process, we came out with, um, you know, to create the ca- capacity to help people grow. And I realized then, like looking back, it's always been around the people for me. So, you know, I've worked in technology for many years and it's always been around the people side of it. How do we develop the people? How can we get people to feel that they can grow in their career? How do we make sure that we're hiring for the next job? You know, we're hiring people that potentially have the, they, they may not have the skills now, but they have the ability for the next job. And um, yeah, I think, I mean, I've been working in technology for many years and um, I had an opportunity to join one of the large tech firms um, when I returned to Ireland in 2018. And uh, that's, technology company tech firm amazon web services has a like the rest of amazon a remarkable ability to operate and to operate at scale so i sort of look at that time that i spent there as my special ops training you know i learned a lot about operational and uh, operational metrics i learned a lot about scale and i've looked back in my my previous career and how companies you know how, how i'd helped or worked with companies and helped grow the people inside those companies i thought hang on 
this is interesting. And I don't think I was ever cut out to be a, a, a sort of a manager in a very, very large organization. And um, after a few years at Amazon, I realized, hang on, I need to go and help teach people how to fish. And I think that's where I went back into starting my own business, consulting business to work specifically with technology companies to help them or teach them how to fish and teach them how to scale. And the technology companies, the tech founders typically that I work with, they understand the technology, they get it. They, um, they, you know, I'm not there to challenge what they do or their product, but one of the things where I find that there's a few blind spots is it's the people side, you know, technologists a lot of the time I say hang on we just use technology and replace the people but you need the people to build it and uh it's it's the people side and and when you put engineers together with salespeople, together with marketing people with projects and customers you know that's where there's sometimes a few blind spots and I can put some foundations in place to help help these companies potentially scale so I think uh, you know people talk about scaling fast I like to talk about scaling well I think that's that's why I do what I do it's it's really just to 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 help these tech leaders and tech companies and their management teams just identify the best ways to to develop their teams and to grow their teams what is it about the people side of it that you see or what are the common mistakes that you see a lot of these companies making it, it's the basics that you see and 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 you'll see this through coaching i mean i would i would typically be consulting to companies so i'd be offering advice coaching is more you know the, the listening side of things but i think within tech within within tech companies um Technology-driven people, one, they, uh, and again, I'm generalizing here, but you get a lot of introverts in technology, potentially, particularly within the, you know, the people doing the coding, people that, that like to, to put the, the, the headphones on and spend all day coding and don't necessarily like to engage with, with other people. So there's, there's that. Um, there's, and, and I think the people, the people that can be a little bit introverted don't necessarily speak up. They're not having the water cooler conversations. They're not necessarily getting out there and mingling or networking their way into the next job or go, going through promotions. So that, that's one area, you know, making sure that, that, that this, this clear direction for people to grow and understanding, firstly, are these people more introverted, more extroverted? Are they an individual contributor or do they want to lead a team? Because a lot of the time, and you see this often in technology, is uh, uh, individual contributors get good at what they do. And they need to be paid more to, 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 to retain them. So they get put into management roles and suddenly a whole team of people put under them. And that's where they become overwhelmed and struggle. And they sort of have this view of the world that they're a tech leader. So they're helping the rest of their team with the technology. But the management teams have a view of the world that they're now the, the new manager and that they've actually got to manage the development of all these people. And that's where they struggle. So I think there's, you know, that's one of the blind spots. And I think making it quite clear on which path these these individuals are going on whether it's down a management route and down a tech route and they're making sure whatever path they go on that um, they understand what the roles and responsibilities are of the next job are and I think something I heard just on a podcast recently quite an interesting one um, it's the high performance podcast I've mentioned it once or twice in press pause um, you've got to be careful to not to over promote people too soon you don't promote people too soon so, you know, that's another thing I find is people potentially show a little bit of potential and they get put into a bigger role too soon. And I think that's a challenge because then once they're in that role, it's very hard to get out of that role and they become overwhelmed and it's, it, it, it impacts their careers. And I think um, the overpromotion piece is quite important. So developing career plans for people so that they know what they need to be doing to operate at a certain level 
and that level might be the promotion level. And when they're actually demonstrating that they can do that job, that's when the promotion comes. And people will be happy with that because they'll know exactly what needs to be done to get to the job and they'll be able to demonstrate that they can do the job and they'll feel pretty fulfilled doing that as well. So I think that's a, that's a blind spot. And then I think just basic communications, um, getting the teams together, uh, expectations. Um, technologists like to build code. They like to write code. Um, there's this uh, uh, mentality that you've got to um, build fast and break things, or break things, build fast, whatever it is. I forget, I forget what it is. Um, but they, so they do that. And, you know, they may have a live product that they're, constantly updating they're adding new features they're changing things on the go whereas a sales team that might be put in place to sell that product and get it to market may want a little bit more stability they want to be doing live demos with customers so you know suddenly the two teams have different expectations you know one wants a stable product um, and the other one wants to deliver features quite quickly and i think sometimes that can lead to disconnect so I think another another blind spot i see in in my consulting engagements is the handover processes how you hand over. So everyone documents their own processes. I know what I need to do in sales. I know what I need to do in engineering and marketing. But what about the handover processes between the teams? You know, when a product gets pushed out to market or when a marketing campaign is going to be run or what the marketing roadmap looks like. So again, it's just connecting the teams through potential blind spots. Yeah, yeah. Are you a coder yourself by training or background? I'll tell you, I, I don't code at all. I do come from a system admin background. So back in the days where it was all popular to go and build Microsoft environments and learn how to do Microsoft certified uh, principles. I, I come from that. So in, in those days, we would be called system admins. You know, you would go in there, you'd build the infrastructure, um, but I wouldn't be able to write a line of code. I could find my way through a little bit of code from time to time, but no, I'm not a technologist from that perspective. I'm not a coder. Um, so uh, yes, that 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 is a challenge sometimes when I'm when I'm talking directly to the software engineers. But um, I've run software development teams in the past and um, and helped bring bring products to market. So I have an understanding of everything. Um, but but no, I can't write a line of code at all. It's something I've something I've been meaning to to try and learn. But then, I, you know, coding is a language. And if I look at my my track record in learning languages, it hasn't been too good either. So I'm destined for failure there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I looked at it a little while ago myself and you're right, it's a, it's another language and it's, yeah, completely foreign to me. <laughs> um, but look, so you, you've, you've been in organizations, you know, you've ran teams, obviously you've stepped out of that world and now you're consulting back into them. So, and that's, this is a fairly recent transition for you. So I'm just wondering, you know, how have you found navigating that line between, you know, supporting and challenging the, the businesses or the clients you're working with? How's that worked out for you? Um. It, it, it's interesting, and I've had a few conversations with people um, within the press force community and within other communities that have said, um, oh, you'd, you'd be a good coach. And um, you, you tend to sort of get people, you understand what they think and, and how, they, how they think. And I said, yeah, do you know what? I don't think so. I think I would, would err too much on telling people what to do or suggesting. And that's where the consulting piece comes in. You know, I'm not, but I do want to teach people how to fish. So I, as I said earlier, I don't want to, go in there and say, and then do all the delivery because you end up just doing all the work. You want to sort of start by showing people what they need to do. So for example, I, I just got off a call with, um, with, with a customer. They're, they're a large uh, technology team of around 300 people and they're doing a lot of hiring at the moment. And one of the things I wanted to do was get them to put in a launch plan. 
And um, on LinkedIn, I've been talking about a lot over the last month around onboarding and launch plans. So new employee onboarding and putting the ownership on the new employee to, to take control of their own onboarding in a company. So we put a template together and the template basically says, you know, what month one will look like, month two, the systems they need to, to get, the people they need to meet. And that launch plan was something that I actually co-created. So I did some delivery work with a customer. And then I said to them, this is why I think it's good. This is why it's important. There's a lot of people on boarding at the moment. You want to reduce the risk of retention. You want to reduce the risk of this person feeling lost at sea, especially in a remote environment. So this is why the launch plan is, is, is a mechanism that I think will work in your business. So once we've done the template and we have an idea of what, what's in, they can do the rinse and repeat. They can add it into their operational playbook. So I'll support them there, but I'm not actually going to, to do every single launch plan with every single member of staff that joins. So that's the, give them the, the tool to add to their toolkit and um, show them how it works, explain why, bring it back to the values and why it's important to have it. Um, and then I think just back to the question around challenging versus supporting, something that I'm really strong on is, and, and, and it's part of my, my mission is, you know, I, I want to um, augment what works, find what works within a customer's environment and augment that. And, and, and really expose that and really look for the wins. But I'm going to challenge what doesn't. So if things aren't working, I have no problem challenging. And um, I've, I've often had meetings with customers that have been pretty hairy, I think. Um, and you talk about the, the journey as a consultant. I'm quite new to it, so maybe I'm a bit naive. Um, but I'll, I'll go into a customer and um, I'll be very prepared in every meeting I have to speak my mind on how I feel about how they're running their business and where they need to improve and where I need to challenge. And um, on one or two occasions, I've said to the customer, look, if you feel this is not gonna work um, or you're not happy with my approach, that's, that's fine, I, I, I'll walk away today. Uh, and, and that's the agreement I have is, you know, I'm prepared to walk away from any situation if I feel strongly about something. A lot of the times the customers, and I've learned this as well over time, is you need to maybe give people a little bit of time and, and not come too, too heavy handed. I think my tone sometimes can be a bit strong. Um, but normally a couple of days later, that customers come around and said, yeah, Alan, we've looked at what you've said, it makes sense. How do we approach making this change? Um, so I, I tend to stick my ground. And, um, you know, sometimes I have to get off a call and pop downstairs to the dinner table. And I, I, I chat to my wife a lot about sort of my day and what I've done. And like, you know, should I have taken this approach? She's a coach, actually. So you know, sometimes I, I get some free, free counseling from her, which is quite handy. Um, but uh, I, 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 I stand to my conviction that that I really would challenge customers because I really want I get, I really become part of their team, and I want them to succeed, and I really try and push that big picture out as much as possible. So yeah, it's it it is a it is a fine line. You know, you, you want to support, but you have to challenge because growth is painful, and you've got to challenge a lot. Of, and that's why I'm there. I'm there to help these companies scale. Uh, I'm not there. I'm not there to 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 be a yes person in their organization. What are the maybe the top two or three most common business or performance challenges that you're coming across right now? Uh, top one is hiring. Um, even in companies that are not scaling, you know, we've all heard about this great recession. People are leaving. People want to, uh, you know, it, it, it's a buyer's market in terms of people looking for jobs. Uh, and also people are, are realizing, hang on, we, we, we don't need to trek into the city every day or, or commute. We can, we can have a different type of lifestyle. Younger people are starting to err towards that nomadic lifestyle. I mean, I'm, I'm working with 
I'm, I'm collaborating with people that are working in, in Portugal, that are working in the Canaries, and they're operating and they're operating in a freelance and they've left corporates. You know, they've, they've actually left corporates to operate in a similar capacity to myself where they're helping, helping companies do work. Um, so I think the challenges are is, you know, is there a shift in the pe in people wanting full-time versus the ability to, to have um, flexibility? Um, and hiring is a big challenge. A lot of managers are able to manage an existing team, a team that are what I would call tenured or somebody that's been in the role, they've been onboarded, they're, they're going. But when people start leaving and they spend a big chunk of their week in interviews, making decisions around hiring, dealing with recruitment companies, um, managing onboarding, uh, worrying about potential flight risks where their best people might just hand in their resignation any day. I think recruitment is a big challenge. And the recruiters will tell you they're, they're all underwater at the moment. I mean, every recruiter in town is, is, is busy. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of activity. And that's putting a lot of pressure on managers because they don't know whether their teams are going to stick around or not. And I think the, the remote versus hybrid, you know, one or the other worked. You know, if companies were born in the cloud and they were distributed to start, they're just cracking on with it. Companies that were in the office, you know, are wanting to potentially get staff back. The staff are saying we don't want to work at the office, and um, it's that because this this hybrid model, I think, is it's, it has its own challenge. I think um, you know you, you can do one or the other easily, but you can't do a hybrid model, um, and it, it, it's a real it's a real challenge, I think, for for management teams, for employees, employers, uh, for everybody, and. I think, you know, something came up in the news the other day, the big tech firms are all wanting and their staff are wanting to get back to the office. So the companies that are designing the tools to allow us to enable, you know, work remotely, those companies themselves are wanting to bring people into the office um, and see the benefit of the collaboration you get from an office environment. So I think there's a couple of challenges. It's, it's the office dynamic, office versus remote, and it's hiring in my mind. You mentioned there that that hybrid doesn't work. Why, why doesn't it work in your view? Hybrid means there's an expectation that you need to be in the office a couple of days a week, right? So fully distributed, there's an expectation that you never need to be in the office. Maybe once a year or twice a year, the team gets together for an all hands. They do their maybe their, their, their end of year celebration. They do their goal planning and they bring the whole team together. And there is a cost involved in bringing that whole team. There's a company called Automatic. Um, Matt Mullenweg runs that business. And he was the person that did, um, um, developed the, the internet woo themes. Um, they're fully distributed. They don't have an office. They've pretty much shut down their main central office. They've just literally got a postal address. But they bring however many people, I think it could be a thousand people together once a year. And there's a cost involved in that, but they don't have office space or anything. So that, that's fine. Um, the big offices are, des are, are designed to have people in the office, but the hybrid model suggests that people will be able to commute. So if you're living four or five hours away, how are you going to get into the office twice a week? It is going to require a lot of logistics. Um, what happens if you don't want to come into the office? So you still having to be within that commuter belt, within the city, et cetera. You know, so, so that's why I think hybrid has its, its challenges from that perspective. Um, and I think, again, we don't know yet what's going to happen, but people have got to go through promotion cycles. People have got to go through the development. And a lot of that's, believe it or not, still built around relationships. You know, if you're in the office, if you're meeting people, and if you're on two days a week and the rest of your team are on the other two days a week and you're not actually seeing that team, you could go a year or two without actually potentially connecting with some very important people 
in your team, but also from a career level, you know, in terms of your growth and your next career. So, and that's why I think hybrid is, is, is tricky. It's just like, you know, you know, we, we're trying to make it work for everyone. Yeah. Come in a couple of days a week. It'll be great. Um, the rest of the time you can't, but I think it's, there's gotta be a, you know, you've got choice. You can come into the office. The office is there. We're going to be running our quarterly meetings in the office. So we expect you to be there for two to three days a month. Um, when we run our quarterly planning sessions, or we're going to be doing code camps where we bring the, all the engineers together and they're going to be doing a hackathon type thing and you make it fun. And you, you have, you have planned intentional gatherings of people. But this whole, um, yeah, every week you're going to be in the office two days. You're not going to be in the office three days. I, I just can't see that working. I, I, I struggle to see that, um, that, that working in, in, in this modern age now. What is your advice for any leader or team charged with scaling or growing a business right now? I think get the basics right around people. So, uh, and, and understand what's been happening with the team over the last few years. So look at your, start calculating certain metrics like churn rate. How many people are leaving the organization? How many people are you onboarding? How many people are you promoting? Um, are you performance managing people? Because if you're not, then you sort of, you, 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 you're keeping the bad apples on, which impacts the rest of the team. So you should really be focusing on, on, on the people side and developing, developing key people. As I said earlier, making sure you're hiring for the next role. So when you bring people in, bring people in so that they feel that they're being stretched, but you know that you can give them the skills. Um, you know, you, they want to be challenged, but it's, 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 it's all around the people side. Yes, you've got to get product to market. Yes, you've got to support your customer if that's if you're a call center or you've got to provide whatever services you, you need or implement broadband or do whatever you need to do. But without the people, none of that's going to happen. So make sure that 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 you, you're putting a lot of focus in a week and, and managers, again, I'm speaking from the tech industry, but tech managers like the tech. They would much rather be going and coding with, um, you know, the people that that that, that they worked with in a team many years before than actually having to worry about developing people. So sometimes they step into a comfort zone of, yeah, let's focus on the technology and they forget the big challenges, which are the people. So, so my, my advice for, for, for leaders would be, it, it, it's very much around the people. Get the people and the processes right and let those people look after the technology. And on the tech, um, you know, what ways do you see or do you think technology will influence our lives over the next couple of years? You're asking me to to make some predictions, yeah. Yeah, just predict the future there, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Um, look, it's always been evolving. I think, you know, if you look, you know, at, at Henry Ford sticking the car in there and replacing the horse, and I think it was, you know, the gramophone replaced a piano, you know, and, and now the piano is an object of desire and, you know, whatever. But technology is always changing. I mean, I was at, I was at the rugby the other day, and uh, we were very fortunate to have a, a good Irish win against uh, New Zealand, but um, I was at the rugby the other day and there's no cash. You know, you're using, your, you're using a phone to get your, your, the barcode scanned to get in. Um, and when you're going to get a drink, there's no cash. There's people coming up to you with machines and you tap the machine. And so it was two, three years ago, everybody was handing cash over at a, at, at a game. So cash has been replaced just in two years completely. So look at the businesses that, that support cash, you know, cash and transit, um, collecting stock taking all of the things that are around what a cash business is cash is gone um and if you look at some of the newer technologies like blockchain and making sure um like again i've i've worked 
um, in different um, different roles before, but one particular role was 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 implementing a, a virtual mobile top up system in Nigeria, and that um, project I, I I went on on a couple of trips there. Uh, cash in Nigeria was a major problem. There was a lot of fraud around it. There was money being moved moved around, and um, you know they're the first country now to to put their currency, the naira, onto the blockchain, particularly. So they're starting to embrace some of the crypto. So I don't know, in terms of the future, where's it going? Um, we, it's always gonna evolve. Uh, if, if you look at how quickly we adapted to a Zoom meeting, you know, the future, there's talk around this metaverse. So, you know, am I gonna have a dinosaur avatar? Are you gonna have a Star Wars avatar? Are we gonna have the same conversation and, and, and have serious faces while we have that conversation? I don't know. I think there's gonna be a, a few game layers added to what we do around people's identity and avatars. And I think, um, you know, you're hearing a lot about this metaverse at the moment. And I think that's a very interesting place. You know, are, are people going to be designing their holidays, their futures, their houses and living in these, in these virtual spaces and um, showing off in those virtual spaces in terms of what they own, what they have. And um, I think that, that it's, a, it's a fascinating space that I'm finding I'm really struggling to keep up with. So yeah, I think the technology is evolving. I think um, in an Irish context, uh, we, we the, there's been a lot of press, bad press about the national broadband rollout. I think with this new nomadic lifestyle that we're living is the sooner we get good connectivity, good connectivity to every household um, in the country, the better. Um, I was away in Dingle a couple of weeks ago and I was able to do calls. I was able to do my business. It was absolutely fantastic. The Airbnb I stayed in was connected up with fiber. The whole town's been connected up with fiber. Now you imagine you can go anywhere in Ireland and be able to just work and know that you just walk into a, a place, a meeting room, a hotel room, whatever, and you can have a high quality video call. You know, that, that's where the technology needs to go. So I think, um, you know, people tasked with putting broadband into, into countries need to, need to be operating quickly and smoothly and, um, and um, connect everybody, because I think that's big. And I think it's big in every country and emerging countries as well is, is when you've got the broadband, you've seen it in India with when, when they reduce the cost of, of mobile data, um, the literacy rates improved, you know, people had access to read books on their devices. Um, you know, so again, it doesn't matter which country and whether it's emerging or a first world country, um, connectivity is key. Get the broadband access in place, that drives the learning, the curiosity, and um, it, it gets people connected. So long answer, but uh, sort of my rambles on, on technology in the future. You know? Fascinating, thank you. And one last, sorry, one last supplementary question. Um, the, the, the strap line or the tagline that we use in Below the Line is live well, perform better. So in order to perform better, what, what do you do to- In terms of my routines? Yeah, yeah, any little um, hacks or little things that you do? that help you show up better? I'd like to say I meditate every day, you know, that I do all of these things and some of those, those good habits have slipped. Um, I read a lot. I read daily and every day. I would get through a book a week um, generally. And, you know, sometimes I'd have three or four books on the go. I'd listen to books and Audible. I think a big hack for me was learning to, not to listen to techno music running or to heavy metal when at the gym and actually listening to audiobooks so that you, you you have it stacking so i think that that's something is, is is the reading for me is is important and something i do every day and also just try and get the exercise out early i mean i've got a, an hour between six and seven in the morning before 
I need to be back for family commitments. And if I can get the exercise part of my day done, whether it's running or going to gym um, and, and get that done by seven, uh, the rest of the day just stacks up nicely. So that's, that's my, my little hack. Fantastic. Uh, Alan, thanks a million for that. That was really um, so fascinating and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do it. Not at all. Great to be on. Thanks, Dave.